The problem with weight stigma research. This is the Weight and Healthcare newsletter. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing and or sharing at weightandhealthcare.com. I spend a massive amount of time digging into weight stigma research, and much of it is incredibly frustrating because of how often research around weight stigma still takes and supports views that are in and of themselves stigmatizing. The overarching problem is that much of this research is still predicated on the idea that fatness is bad and should be eradicated. I don't think it's a coincidence that much of this research is funded and or conducted by people with a profit interest in selling weight loss. Commonly, these studies use stigmatizing language like, quote, obese, quote, overweight, and associated person-first language, or they describe fat people's bodies using terms like excess weight and describe fat people simply existing in the world as an epidemic. One way weight stigma shows up in weight stigma research is the idea that weight stigma is bad because it may cause weight gain or make people less likely to participate in and, quote, comply with weight loss interventions, which, again, bases so-called anti-stigma work firmly in anti-fatness. Another issue is the suggestion that weight loss is a weight stigma intervention. Each fat person is, of course, allowed to make personal decisions about how they will deal with weight stigma. That said, it's important to be clear that regardless of what one believes about fat and health, suggesting that the solution to oppression is for oppressed people to change themselves to suit their oppressors is absolutely wrong. And while no two oppressions are completely comparable, as someone who is both fat and queer, I definitely see the parallels between the message I get as a fat person that losing weight would solve weight stigma and the messages I have received as a queer person that the best way to deal with homophobia is to become straight. So the message becomes, we don't want to stigmatize fat people, but we do think they should be eradicated from the earth and future fat people should be prevented from ever existing. Often, with the fact that the organization generating the research is profiting from these anti-fat views left unspoken. You cannot promote the idea that it would be better if current fat people were eliminated and future fat people were prevented from existing and also end weight stigma. These are mutually exclusive goals, even though the weight loss industry has been working overtime to convince us otherwise. For me, one of the most frustrating examples of weight stigma in research is the ignoring and erasure of the experiences of those at the highest weights. While weight stigma can harm people of all sizes, as people's weights become higher, their experience of bias and structural stigma, including lack of accommodation, can increase. Again, this also becomes more pronounced for those with multiple marginalized identities. Within fat activism communities, the varying sizes are often defined as small fat, mid fat, large fat, super fat, and infinifat. Within the medical community, categories are, quote, overweight and class 1, class 2, and class 3, quote, obesity. From a scientific and medical perspective, this is questionable. For example, per the NIH calculator, at 5 foot 3 inches tall, I would be, quote, overweight from 140.5 to 169 pounds. That's a range of 28.5 pounds. I would be class 1 from 169.5 to 197 pounds, a range of 27.5 pounds. Class 2 from 197.5 to 225.5 pounds, a range of 28 pounds. Class 3, anything over 226 pounds, an infinite range. Dividing people into classifications based on body mass index, a dubious concept in and of itself, and then just lumping everyone with a BMI of 40 or more in the same category does not have the ring of sound science. Whether the research is about a pharmaceutical intervention, an anesthesia technique, or the experience of weight stigma.
you're racing the experiences of those at the highest weights in weight stigma research can be done implicitly by simply making a single category out of all higher weight people and not making any distinction between the experiences of, for example, someone who weighs 180 pounds versus someone who weighs 580 pounds. In other research, it is done explicitly when, for example, only class one people are included or when class two and class three people are compressed into a single category, further diluting the experiences of those at the highest weights. By not specifically capturing the experiences of the highest weight people, the research also erases experience of those for whom treatment risk is predicated on weight or treatment itself is denied. For example, a commonly referenced paper about utilizing dangerous weight loss surgeries as a, quote, treatment for type 2 diabetes suggests that the surgery should be, quote, considered for those who are class 1 and have inadequate glycemic control, but suggests that the surgery be, quote, recommended for anyone who is class 3, regardless of glycemic control. People of lower weights are often shocked to find out how aggressively these surgeries are pushed on those of the highest weights and or how much of their health care is held hostage for a weight loss ransom. And erasing the experiences of weight stigma among the highest weight people means also erasing the very real harm that stigma does, harm that is often blamed on their bodies. I have long wanted more weight stigma research that focuses on the experience of those who are at the highest weights and that is rooted in weight inclusion. So, I'm super excited to say that Dr. Leslie Owen and I have received IRB approval for a new study, Healthcare Experiences of Weight Stigma and Iatrogenic Harm in the Highest Weight Patients, a qualitative study. We're researching and writing a paper that centers the voices and experiences of highest weight people as they and we navigate healthcare settings to examine the stigma they experience and the harm it inflicts. We'll be interviewing super fat, infinifat, higher and highest weight people who have had negative healthcare experiences as a result of weight stigma. There is more information at bit.ly dash LR weight stigma if you are interested in being interviewed. Overall, when we're discussing weight stigma research, we always have to ask ourselves, is this rooted in weight inclusion and is this capturing the experiences of the highest weight people? It's important to talk about what exists in weight stigma research. It's also important to talk about and solve what isn't there including especially for those at the highest weights and those with multiple marginalized identities. Did you find this post helpful? You can subscribe for free to get future posts delivered direct to your inbox or choose a paid subscription to support the newsletter and get special benefits. Go to weightandhealthcare.com and click subscribe.